0: Let's open up to Genesis chapter 1, as we continue our series, The Gathering Storm, which in many ways is rooted in that passage in 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32, where the scriptures describe the different soldiers in David's army, and among those soldiers we read in about these sons, it says there that they're the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. So they had understanding of the times they know to know what Israel ought to do, and these were guys that knew what was up. I mean, they knew what was happening you know they weren 't just living their own little life; they understood what was going on in the society, and so, as a result of that, they knew what to do and I think that we need to learn from their example, you guys. I think that we have to have a healthy understanding of the times that we live in today. The the world that we love, the world that we live in, we got to know what's going on and so that we can know what we ought to do for our family, for our flock, and for the future of our nation. And you should be doing something. You really should. And so uh, for us, it was kind of cool. Um, the other day, we got a, a message, and it, um, my, my, I was talking to my daughter, and she's said, hey, dad. You know, we need someone to take pictures, you know, for, you know, different things, social media, website, and stuff like that. And I said, it's funny you should say that because just the other day I got an email from a sister who was encouraging her dad to take pictures for the church. And he said, ah, oh, I don't think they can use that. And I said, yes, they can. You know, it's so cool how God can, whatever it is that you can do. We're going to see today you were knit together in your mother's womb. You have gifts. You have talents. Some of you here are really good at administrative stuff. And so whatever it is, my prayer is that we would be doing something because a lot needs to be done for our family, flock, and future of our nation. You guys probably noticed this. I'm sure you have if you've looked at the news in any way that our nation is not traveling in a good direction. I know there's a remnant. There is a Christian remnant, but it seems to be dwindling fast. You guys might remember that we started off as a Christian country, right? God blessed us with prosperity, but we forgot how we got blessed. That's what happened. We got blessed by God But we forgot, and so what happened is a country became nominal, became casual in our commitment to Christ. Then eventually we became a post-Christian country to the point where now, in many ways, and you guys who are young, you got to know this, we are becoming an anti-Christian country. That's what's happening in front of our eyes. And so um, more and more are defended, they're offended by the way that we have this certain view of the Bible, how we believe this is God's word, Uh, More and more don't like our view of human gender and sexuality, how God created us male and female. They don't like our view of marriage or family, mom and dad, husband and wife for life. They don't like our view on pot or pornography, drugs and drinking and drugs, all those types of things. They don't like our view of evolution, how we think it's crazy. And they don't like our view of abortion, how we know it's sin. And that's the world that we live in. You know, they are, are now against us. Okay, we love them. We're not going to get crazy, you know. We're not here complaining. All we're is just, just, just trying to figure out this is the world that we live in. You know, I was tripping out. I don't know all the details on this, but um, Lady Gaga, I, I don't really know much about her, and I'm not judging her or anything like that. I think she claims to be a Christian, but um, she uh, came out really strong against uh, uh, Vice President Mike Pence, you know, because he is a Christian like us you know and so you may think well that's not a big deal but you got to understand here is a gal that's influencing millions of people those christians believe the bible every word every letter every jot every tittle those christians they have this view on human sexuality and genders and all that kind of stuff they this is what they they're trying to take our right uh, to choose what yeah we're trying to uh, fight for the right for the child to live See, we're living. This is these are the times that we're living in, and so again, just a warning: uh, the storm is coming. In many ways, it's already here, and unless there is a revival in the church, things are going to get worse. And so, you know, you may look around and say, "Hey, yeah, church, you know, catch fire, yeah, church, get filled with the Holy Spirit, yeah, church, you know, you better um, be strong." And that's cool; we got to have that. But here's the real challenge: let it begin with me. If every person had that heart, like, I'm not content. I want more of God. I want to know more of his word. I want to be filled with more of his spirit. I want to serve to the, to the greatest capacity. You know, Rich was talking about Stephanie. She's got, how many, they have 17 kids, right? <laughs> how many? Kids. Six kids, okay. I'd say they do, she does a lot, right? Rich has seven kids. And now you can hug to Henry, he'll tell you the same thing. Man, that guy is busy serving God, serving God. So just in case there are any here, what's your excuse? I mean, you know, we want to build this church for our children. We want to build this church for the Lord. You know, so prayerfully we have that heart. Remember I asked you guys that question in the beginning, that question that John F.K. asked the nation in his inaugural address, 1961. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Ask who? Ask God. And if you ask God, I believe he'll answer you. You know, what are we doing to make things better? You've heard it said that all that's necessary for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. Well, I would add to that, all that's necessary for evil to prevail is for good men to do the wrong thing. You know, and you can put all your energy into whatever it is that this world has to offer. You can put all your energy into, you know, their confidences in men. And, you know, I understand, maybe you have good motives, maybe you have good intentions. But really, will that make a difference? Because what we're fighting is the devil. And the lies and the demons and this crazy movement, this tidal wave that's coming from evil. And so we need God. So if everyone begins to catch that vision, then I think we can actually make a difference. You know, in our series here, we've got a few more and then we'll get back to teaching through a book of the Bible. But I really wanted to make sure that we kind of understand the context of our culture we've gone over the storm in western civilization how at one time they used to be christian now they're not we've gone over the storm in in the church really and in the nation how in many ways we used to be christian we've gone from sacred to secular right we've gone to this man one time we love god but now we're Godless and less and less god and taking the bible out of the schools and taking prayer out of schools and taking the Ten Commandments off of these you know, government buildings and all that kind of stuff. And so you've read about it in the Bible. Israel did that many times. And so then there were those days when God would raise up a king, someone like a Hezekiah, somebody to stir things up and to make a difference. And maybe that's you because all you need to do is be completely yielded to God and he will fill you and he will use you But we have to make sure we understand his heart. You know, today we're going to talk about the storm over human life. And so we're going to kind of break it up into three sections. Homicide, which is murder. Um, Suicide, which includes euthanasia. And then we'll talk about genocide. And I think what we're seeing in abortion today in many ways is that. Now, one thing I want to make sure you guys... If you're here and you're a sister and you've had an abortion, this is not intended to to, to condemn you in any way. You know, the, the the blood of Jesus washes away that sin, 100%. You know, he doesn't he doesn't even bring it up. He'll cast it as far as the east is from the west. This is us intending as a church to to look forward now. This is what we want to do and what we're going to see as we go through this, this is an amazing thing what god has but first looking at homicide suicide and genocide what we find the common denominator is that there, the this is the taking of life and so i think in one way it needs to begin with an understanding of the sanctity of life and that's why we have to go back to genesis i asked you to open there to genesis chapter one look at verse 26 it says and then god said let us make man in our image uh, according to our likeness Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God, so you don't have to be afraid of spiders, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And so here's God, he made everything, he spoke it into existence by the power of his word, and then the day comes, God says, let's do this, let's make man, but let's make him different than the plants and the animals and all the other things, let's make man in our image. And so there's the plurality there, you have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're not made in the image of angels, we're made in the image of God. Let us make man in our image, we're rational, social, moral, and spiritual creatures, What a privilege. All lives matter because all lives are created in the image of God. We're not animals. Animals are not created in the image of God. That's why we have dominion over the animals. And so you read later in Genesis chapter 2, if you want to turn, look at verse 7. It's kind of cool when you look at the way it happened. It says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. You see, that's life. That's life. It's not oxygen inside of us. It's not the air inside of us. It's God inside of us. It's God. He breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. And so we need to to know that for ourselves. We need to Pass that on to our children. Mijo, Mia. The, they're created in the image of God. You know, the, the, the sanctity of life, it needs to be instilled within us in such a great way. You know, that's why you got to be so careful. People watching movies, everybody's killing everybody, blood everywhere. And your kid's watching that, and how is that going to help him understand the sanctity of life? And so, you know, here you have us made formed by God this is who we are this is who you are you don't have to be here with some uh, you know you're, you're struggling with your self-esteem or whatever you know I have a you have a bad complex of yourself you shouldn't be that way no matter who you are because you know beauty is in the eye of the beholder And when God looks at you you're beautiful because you're created in the image of God you are he is they are And when everybody begins to understand that, you know, it it makes a huge difference. This This is really holy stuff. This is huge. You know, we don't have, we can't be trivial with this kind of stuff. I mean, man is created in the image of God. There's a miracle. There's a majestic power in it. There's a privilege in it how he's the source and sustainer. These are not just corpses of dust. It's not that. I mean, we're talking not puppets, not robots. We're talking about human beings created in the image of God. That's how we were made. But then the devil came in. He deceived Eve. Adam chose to fall. God had warned them that dying you will die. And here's the thing. Ever since then, it has been a battle between death and life. That's it. Death and life and the more people turn away from god the more a nation turns away from god the more world the world turns away from god the more death they will experience and that's what we see happening now you know one passage i think would be good to turn to if you would is john chapter 10 And in this passage, it's a beautiful passage where the Lord is trying to teach the religious leaders. He's also trying to teach the people, hey, Jesus is a good shepherd. Follow him. Don't follow the other guys. Because the other guys, what they would do is they would go in and they would steal sheep in order to kill sheep. And so Jesus said, no, follow me. I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to lay down my life for you. But I like what he says in verse 10 of John chapter 10. It says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill, and to destroy. And so that's the agenda of the enemy. That's really his entire agenda. He's not here, you know, to have pizza. He's not here to, whatever, have a good time, play music, whatever, all that kind of stuff. Primarily, his primary focus and goal is to steal, to kill, and destroy. To steal people from God. To steal them from God. To kill them. To kill them. So before you're a Christian, if we were up to the devil, he would have had you dead right there and then, right? Because he know you go to hell. Thank God, a lot of us, if we would have died in that condition, we know where we would have ended up, right? So he wants to kill you before a Christian. He even wants to kill you after you're a Christian. After you're a Christian, why? Because he doesn't want you to make a difference. That's why Paul the apostle went through so much. The devil tried to kill him many times, right? So that's his agenda: to steal, to kill, but ultimately to destroy. And that's why we have homicide. That's why we have suicide. That's why we have euthanasia. That's why we have abortion. That's why we have genocide. All that death is because of the fact that this is his agenda. And we have to understand that. No, but the Lord gives the contrast there in verse 10. Jesus said, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And that's what I want to encourage you guys in today. Because I'll bet you there are some of you here that you've uh, felt like taking your life. The suicide is unfortunately so common. It it really is. And sometimes I don't know how it works. I've tried to figure it out and I can't. I don't know if it's mental illness. I don't know if it's... You know, cultural upbringing. I don't know if you were broken somewhere along the line when you were a child. I mean, you name it. There's a lot of different things that might be factors in why people go that route. And so my heart goes out to you. I want you to know that I know it's real. I want you to know that I understand how painful that is. But I also want to encourage you in this verse right here that the way that you defeat death is with life. And you come to Jesus. I have come, Jesus said, that they may have life, and not just life, not just squeaking by, not just a religion, not just on the surface of this whole thing, but that they may have that life more abundantly. Because when you come to Jesus, and you give your whole heart to Jesus... I mean, there is power there, there is peace, there's joy, there's victory, there's purpose, there's everything that's good. Suicide won't have, its, it won't have any room in your mind because you're so busy with this life that God has given to you. The NIV puts it this way, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, if we lose this whole life, and I don't know if you guys, I mean, I, I'll bet you that this room is split. I'll bet you almost anything that some people are like, I love life. I love life. How many of you guys do you wake up in the morning and you're like, thank you, Lord. And you're, you know, you've got your cup of coffee going and you're you are ready for it, right? And you're just, thank you, Lord, for this day. And, you know, especially now in the spring, the weather's amazing. Yeah, old guys like me can actually work outside, now and uh, you just enjoy life but then there's a lot of people that they're just almost like i don't even want to live and that's why i encourage you i I really encourage you come to christ completely and then you enjoy this gift that god has given you because if not we will end up breathing in this culture this culture of death it really is i mean Henry was telling me, there's another brother that was telling me about, I don't know if you guys heard, a mom who stabbed her three children to death and Racine. How does that happen? It's the devil. It's the culture of death. Remember that Greek word I taught you guys a while back? Um, does anybody here know the Greek word for death? It's Thanos. See, I taught you. You guys totally forgot that. You're like... Um, Thanos, does that ring a bell? Thanatos and Thanos, that the the Greek word I'm sorry is Thanatos. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, Thanos. A lot of you guys know about that figure in Avengers who wanted half the world dead. You see, that's the agenda of the enemy. So when you're living today, you're understanding the times. You're just basically witnessing sacred going secular in civilization, in our nation, even in the church, you got to guard yourself against it. You're understanding the times and you're realizing that we are living in many ways in a culture of death because that's the devil's agenda. And so let's talk a little bit, number one, about homicide or murder. Defined as a deliberate and unlawful killing of one person by another taking someone's life. It doesn't include righteous war. It doesn't include capital punishment because both of those have their places in the legislation of God's word. But murder, that's taking someone's life. That's a violation of the fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill. And what we find, you guys, in the world that we live in today is there are over 450,000 murders every year, 19,000 in our nation, 52 murders every single day. No, now, for some of you here, you're like, wow, well, that's not too bad. You want to know why? Because you have been desensitized, bro. You have been desensitized. You're watching all those movies. You see killing all the time. You see it all the time, and you don't even flinch anymore. Why? Because that's the culture of death. You know, they say that New York, I mean, Chicago's number one as far as deaths goes. Uh, Los Angeles is, is number six. How many of you know people? I have family members that were murdered. I think many of us do. We've experienced that. You know, if you look at the Bible, it didn't take long for murder to enter into the human race. Remember Cain killed Abel early on in Genesis chapter 4. And that's why you have to guard your heart against any hate. You know, the preservation of life is written in our created conscience. It's intuitive, but what we find is that it was then eventually articulated with reasoning. In Genesis chapter 9, in verse 6, this is an important verse, it says, Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made him. Okay, so this is interesting. This is important for us. So you kill somebody, you want to know what God says? You die because you killed somebody. And so you're like, well, how does that help Manny and the whole homicide thing? We're trying to prevent, you know, deaths. No, we're trying to prevent murder. And if a murderer knows that he will die for murdering, perhaps it will prevent him from murdering. But if the murderer knows that I'm not going to die, 40% of all cases are not solved. And what we find is that even those who do get convicted, they eventually get out. They get a free ride. They're on 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 capital. They're on a death row for for 27 years. We have a governor in California who signed a mandate saying no capital punishment. Why? Because it's a culture of death. They're actually okay with that. And so here's the thing that we find, you guys. We have to make sure, those of you guys who read your Bible, you know that when there's no like, justice, like someone kills someone and no one ever even looks into it, they don't even investigate, oh, well, I guess so-and-so died. You, God's going to deal with the land. You guys know that God deals with that. You know, what we find, estimates today in our nation, there are 250,000 unsolved murders and about 6,000 each year are added. And so we come, and we understand the times, and we know the truth. And when you're voting, and when you're praying, and when you're making decisions, because sometimes even in the church, people are against capital punishment. And I would say to you that that's the part of the hindrance. Again, not that we're cold-blooded, but we want to prevent it. And we know according to God's word that this is what he requires. You know, you have issues like homicide, you have issues like suicide. Again, a very tough topic to teach on, um, the action of killing oneself intentionally. You know, Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. Think about that. And in 2019, 47,500 Americans died by suicide. So that comes out to about 130 uh, suicides every single day. Think about that. And so that was something that was already on the rise in our nation, but it skyrocketed during COVID and the lockdown. You know, government policies that were meant to curtail COVID have resulted in unintended consequences that now threaten lives, including the lives of young people who are, you know, generally spared the worst from the disease, but the school closures, the stay-at-home Orders the shutdowns of businesses that were deemed non-essential. They contributed to the surging rates of depression, suicide among young people as well as rising incidences of drug overdoses and related deaths. And so, um, you know, what does that tell you? I mean, what what we're trying to understand is your children, our society, your brother, your sister, your neighbor, your friends, they're breathing in this culture of death. And so... We know everything's feeding it. Now they're staying home. And we have to fight it. We have to get them out. We have to ask God for wisdom and all these things. The New York Times reported that an alarming increase in student suicides has prompted schools in Las Vegas to move quickly to reopen in-person learning. In Clark County, Nevada, 18 students took their lives during the nine months of school closures, that was double the previous year. One of the kids was only nine years old. So again, I know it's a very difficult issue, and sometimes you feel helpless. You're like, I can't make a difference. What What can I do? Well, don't think that way. Number one, you can. You can pray. You can intervene. You can get your kids out uh, out of the room and uh, off the television and off the video games. Those things have their place for a certain amount of time, but They really need to get out there. They say that when you're playing too much uh, video games, it messes up the front of your brain, and next thing you know, you're in bad moods, or you have uh, struggles, um, reasoning, logical choices. And so uh, I remember when my kids used to play video games, um, I would put my hand on their head. I said, ooh, it's getting hot. (laughs) I said, I think it's time for you to get out there. And you dads, you go out and you play catch with your kids and you go and you play basketball and you go and take them around the block or take them to the park. Believe it or not, that kind of stuff is us saying, yeah, there's this culture of death that they're breathing in. Now I'm aware of it. I understand the times and now I know what I ought to do. Of course, a primary thing is John 10.10, 10, that they may have life. And that they may have it more abundantly. That our children would know how valuable they are, how beautiful they are. They're not going to know that if you put them down. They won't know that if you put them down. If all you ever see are the bad things about them. That's all you ever articulate. No, you've got to speak words of encouragement. You have to speak words of life. You have to speak words of edification to them. You have to tell them what we read in the book of Genesis that they are created in the image of God. As he breathed into their nostrils the breath of life, they were formed by his own hands because otherwise they're not going to know how valuable they are. And we see homicide and we see suicide. You know, uh, according to the times one student said during this whole thing he took his life and left a note said he had nothing to look forward to let's do our best to give them something to look forward to according to fox news during this time self harm was up 334% those are that's kids cutting themselves and other things overdoses up 119% anxiety up 94% depression Up 84%. So this is a lot of things. You know, you can read this and you can, you know, say, okay, that's them and stuff. No, this is the world that we're dealing with now. Sometimes people even think, and like I said, and my heart just aches. Because I know beautiful people sometimes get those suicidal thoughts. Please, I beg of you, don't. Don't. You know, when you look at the list of those who committed suicide in the Bible, it's not a pretty picture. Saul uh, committed suicide. Uh, Saul's armor bearer did. Um, Ahithophel hung himself. Zimri burned himself. Judas hung himself. We need to teach our children the value of life. You know, get them out of the house. Help them to establish relationships with others. You build a strong relationship with them. And you pray and you model in such a way that they would build a strong relationship with God. You know, for us, we got to know that life and death is in whose hands? It's in God's hands. It's in God's hands. And you know, someone wants to kill somebody. I mean, I'm telling you, it's crazy. They don't realize they're created in the image of God. They want to take their own life. That's not your right. You can't do that. You know Job 14:5 it says since his days are determined the number of months is with you you have appointed his limits so that he cannot pass and I like that passage right there cuz God says okay as far as the day that you're done the day that you die the day that you depart I've got a certain month in mind and he even says right there I have a certain day in mind and then over in John chapter 7 verse 30 it says therefore they sought to take him speaking of Jesus But no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Think about that. So God knows the month. God knows the day. God knows even the hour. And then Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says in verse uh, 1, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. So God has this all planned out, you guys, the month, the day. I mean, we're talking about the hour and the very time. And you don't want to go any sooner than that. What if Jesus had gone sooner? What if Jesus checked out before he did, you know, got done redeeming us because he said the pain of the cross was too bad? No, he finished the work and then he gave his soul to his Father. We must finish the work. We're gonna talk about euthanasia. Euthanasia is uh, physician-assisted suicide. And so it's when someone, usually they have a terminal illness, and they say, it's too much pain, I'm gonna go ahead and check out. In many countries, like for example, Switzerland, you don't even need a doctor's diagnosis. Uh, There's not even an age limit over there, it's crazy how that's happening in the world that we live in. Just again, the culture of death is just creeping and they're just trying to take over, right? And so um, I know you guys, hopefully we get all raptured. How many of you here want to get raptured? Just out of curiosity, right? But it may not happen. We'll see. I mean, it sure seems like it, but we don't know for sure. Here's the thing, okay? Um, If the day comes and you're there on your deathbed and you're starting to hurt and you're starting to go through the pain, And you're getting tempted to say, hey, you know what, doc, give me some drugs and just check me out. You know, I'm done. You know, I've even talked to some Christians that think it's okay. I'm telling you, it's not okay. Because this thing that we call life is in the hands of God. And I'm telling you this, and you guys have probably experienced this, right? That God will use that person to the very end. Sometimes they're not even able to communicate, but God is still using them. Sometimes they're just able to whisper and God is communicating. God is still using them. God is the one who tells us when the race is done. And like Paul, one day he said in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the... Don't be one of those who say, I'm going to quit. No, you finish the race. And I remember one time, uh, and we've all experienced it in different ways, but there was this one brother, um, his name was Willie. We called him Mr. Willie, and I liked him because he would give my kids money. Really, really cool guy. (laughs) Every time you'd see him, he would give him money. Man, I love this guy. Actually, um, there was more to it. Him and Maria were beautiful people. And I remember he got cancer and he got sick and I saw him suffer and I remember, you know, eventually I went to go see him one day before he died. It was the day before he died. And I'll tell you what, as he's there and he's in pain and he's just barely able to speak, the words he spoke were the loudest words he'd ever told me. And I still remember them to this day. He said a few things to me about my family, but one thing he said... Manny, take care of that church. There's just something about finishing our race. I'll tell you guys what. Looking at homicide, looking at, 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 at suicide. Turn to Acts 16, if you would. Such a beautiful story here in Acts 16 and verse 25. It says, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So think about that for a second. Here were these guys that had gotten beaten down, they were in the bottom of the stocks. I mean, they're just their backs are all bloody. Bloody. What were they doing? At midnight, they're singing songs to God, right? And so the prisoners are listening to them, and then suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. And you guys probably know, right, the Roman law was your your guard over these guys. And if they get loose, then whatever their fate was, that's your fate. And so the Roman soldier thought, it's hopeless. My life is over. I'm just going to take my own life. He was about to commit suicide. And, you know, he thought the prisoners have fled. And then Paul said in verse 28, do yourself no harm for we are all here. And then he called for a light. He ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. And I just love that story because here is a guy just about to commit suicide. He was just about to do it. And if he had done it, he would have gone to hell. He would have, he would have just perished in his sins. But just as he's about to commit suicide, Paul all, don't do it. He goes, he turns on the light, he lights, uh, lights it away, hey, you guys, what do I need to do to be saved? And right there and then, in that little moment, and who knows how it smelled or whatever, I don't know the damage that the earthquake did, I don't know all the details of that, but right there in that little spot, in that crazy place, who knows what this soldier had done, the sins that he had lived all his life, I mean, just probably craziness, right? These rugged, mean soldiers, but right there in a moment, God saved him. You didn't have to, we talked about this before, get hypnotized, canonized, baptized, circumcised, none of that kind of stuff. What do I need to be saved? What do I need to do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Not just you, but your household, your wife, your kids. For me, my dog. I mean, you just... just, I'm just joking. I'm going to get emails for that. I'm sorry. Animals are not created in the image of God. So we all know that. But I'm just saying, you guys, who knows who you can reach? You know, the enemy's like, hey, your life is nothing. Hey, you might as well just quit. You might as well just split. You might as well just die. And God says, oh, no, the thief has not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. See, that can happen with suicide, with euthanasia, in so many different ways. You know, euthanasia is going on now, and I'm telling you there's so much that we can talk about regarding this. But what happens is when secular humanism takes over, then things, it's kind of funny, it's rather ironic, they, they begin to turn inhumane. The logic shifts eventually from the right to die to the duty to die and that's what happened in Nazi Germany between the two wars the doctors began to come up with this saying that basically said life unworthy of life and that's why eventually you had the genocide of the Jews we see this euthanasia in many nations of the world in Netherlands uh, children as young as 12 can request euthanasia Many other countries, uh, we don't have time to get into that, but here in the United States of America, euthanasia is legal. In California, Colorado, Hawaii, Maine, New York, Oregon, Vermont, Washington, Washington, D.C., Montana, some of those laws were passed uh, through legislation, some were voted in. Like, for example, here in California, we voted it in in 2015. How did we vote it in? Why would we say it's okay for people to take their own life, to take this beautiful gift, this sanctity of life, and for me to determine when, how is that possible? It's possible when the sacred becomes secular and godless and less and less. God, that's why I want more and more God in my life. It's the only answer. It's the only answer. It's been said that he who has a why to live can bear with almost any how. We have a why. You were created in the image of God for the glory of God. And so we need to know that, and he'll help us through anything. You know, what we find, things like homicide, suicide, I mean, you read, this, abortion is nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. They would take those babies and they would offer them to Moloch in the Old Testament. It's the same demon. It's the same demon. It's the same devil. You know, abortion looms as a great moral scar in our modern age. How many of you here know how many seconds there are in a day? How many would break out your calculator? You guys wouldn't do that, huh? There's eighty six thousand four hundred seconds every day eighty six thousand four hundred seconds. okay? There's a hundred and twenty five thousand abortions every day. So I was trying to like do the rhythm of how many babies got dying just dead, 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 dead over and over and over and over again. They're just dying. Understanding the times that we live in. The World Health Organization says every year in the world there are estimated millions of babies. In the United States, 3,000 abortions every day. You know, in New York, Stephanie alluded to some of this. You know, we find this governor, he signed the Reproductive Health Act in January, and he did it on the anniversary of Roe v.ersus Wade. And the bill not only removed abortion from New York's criminal code, it also allows non-doctors to perform abortions and allows women to obtain late-term abortions if their health is in danger or if their unborn baby is not viable. So, you know, the baby's, what doesn't matter, third trimester. I mean, we're talking about the day before the baby's about to be born. In New York, it's legal to kill the baby. I mean... We were living in days of partial birth abortion where they would take the head and they would just spear it. So thank God, under the legislation of George W. Bush, that was banned, but barely. And so now there's a sweeping movement. And again, you're starting to see the polarization on this. And you guys know there are some who are fighting for, for, for the kids. You know, God wants them to live and i think of many kids actually i know a lot of children that were almost aborted i know them and they're beautiful i just i just can't imagine my life our lives without them but what's happening is the world it desensitizes people and They don't even think twice about it. And that's where my heart goes out to them because a lot of times these women, they think that it's okay. They don't understand the conviction of it. They feel like they have no options. And so we need to give them those options and we need to come alongside of them because God is very angry with the way that these children are dying. And at the same time, he loves these moms Big time. You know, in New York, just like a sweep of a pen, just in a moment of time, the baby disappeared. You know, because in the book of Exodus 21, 22 through 25, it says if you fought with a man and you killed the, the woman and the baby inside of her, then you were guilty of two, murdering two. But in New York, that's not the case anymore. It used to be. But just like that, it's, it's done. And so we find... You know, when the bill passed there in New York, basically giving, you know, moms the right to kill their child. And by the way, where it says right there, if her health is in danger, they also would consider that mental health, like if she were to have like a problem with it. Not just physical health, not just something that doctors know. She had a problem with it in her mind, and you know what, she can kill. And so why, why why are we talking about all these things? So much to talk about. Because just in case, there might even be some in the church who think it's okay and it's, you know, I don't want to infringe on their freedoms. No, you guys got to know what's going on there. That Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, the Bible says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. And so if you can visualize for a second the word formed there in the Hebrew, it's talking about... Like the clay is on the wheel, and there's God forming it. And so God says, before you were born, I had these dreams for you, this destiny for you, and that's why I'm forming you. He's going to form you in the womb. The same thing he says in Psalm 139 and verse 13. For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. And right there, the word covered, it means you knit you together. So we need to know what's going on in the womb, We need to know that God, even before the baby was conceived, already had the days determined for it, what he would have wanted for that child. Jeremiah was already ordained a prophet. You know, we have these destinies. Your kids, one day when you get pregnant, I remember when my wife and I, you know, we got the results and we're having a a baby. I mean, I don't know if anyone's ever ready for it per se, but man, God blessed us with a child. I was conceived out of wedlock. My, my mom and dad, they were not married when I was conceived. Now, I wonder, I've, I don't think my mom would have ever thought of aborting me. Why? Because she had this God conviction inside of her, even though it was a religion, a Catholicism instilled that within her. I mean, they didn't have no money. They didn't have enough money, but God will provide. And so in Psalms, I don't know if you can visualize this, but go inside the mom's womb, and you see God's hand forming the child. Go inside the mom's womb, and you see God knitting them together. Oh, I want him to be uh, the best player the Dodgers ever had so that they can win another championship, and there he is. you know, forming them together, whatever they, whatever it is, right? He's just knitting them together because he knows your days. That's what the book of Psalm, that's what that one's all about. He's knitting you together because he knows exactly what he wants you to do. And so you visualize God knitting this child together and then boom, someone comes in there and rips it out of his hands. That's what abortion is. The, the, the child is a child. The moment of conception. And so we we need to know that. And we need to share that. We need to do everything we can. You know, Proverbs twenty four eleven, it says, deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. And that verse has many applications, but I think it is applicable to what we see today. And the sons of Issachar, these guys understood the times. So they knew what they ought to do. And we're understanding that the times, what's going on? There's a slaughter. There's a slaughter going on because people have turned away from God and they're breathing in the culture of death in many ways. We need to come back to this. Wow, the gift of life that God has given to us. We need to come back to what it says in Psalm 127. Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from him. Sometimes, you know, you hear someone getting pregnant, and whoever it or they're like, another one? You know, they say stuff like that. No, man. You know, I know my wife and I would have had more if we could. It's all in God's hands. You know, and again, I don't want to say that you have to have 27 kids. Because um, I know that when the Lord created, the Bible says in the book of Genesis, and when he was done creating, he said it was good, right? And so the Lord will show you guys, but whatever you do, don't pass on the mentality that children are bad, the children are a burden, that children are a nuisance. No, children are a blessing, every single one of them. And so we need to know that. We need to come back to John 10 10, where the Bible says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. You know, I wish I had time to read the book right here. I don't. But man, he talks about what we can do. And one of the main things and the first things is pray. And so I pray that you guys are praying on this issue because it's a big one that we're going through. And then you ask the Lord, You know, how can I enhance life? And one of the things I want to encourage you in is enjoy your life. If I can say that, I know that sounds kind of weird, man, but I want you to soak it in. I want you to enjoy your life. You were created to exalt God and to enjoy God. And you get to know the Lord, like it says right there in John 10, and you start experiencing the abundant life, then God will use you in such a great way. You know, if you're here and you're bored, if you're here and you're just squeaking by, if you're here and you're like, uh, Eeyore, another day. <laughs> now there we go again. Something's wrong, man. I'll tell you what, and I learned this from the very beginning when I became a Christian, Stephen Curtis Chapman said that the Christian life is a great adventure. It should be that way, you guys, when you get your eyes on the Lord. I recently read a comic strip. It was a conversation between Lucy and Charlie Brown. Lucy said... Life is like a deck chair. Some place it so they can see where they are going. Some place it so they can see where they've been. And some place it where they can, so they can see where they are. To which Charlie Brown said, I can't even get mine unfolded. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing, you guys. Whether you realize it or not, it started. Your life has started. You've been living your life Have you been living it for God? I want to encourage you, live life for God. Live life for others. And maybe even live life so that others can have life. You know, you see someone down, who knows what's going through their mind. You encourage them. Share the gospel with them. I pray that we would know this. I pray that we would, and it's hard to to really fully articulate it the way it is in my heart, but I just pray we would know the sanctity of life.